What an incredible moment. You know, I was watching that this week, and, and I believe we've lost how incredible that is. I, I think even if you were alive, even if you remember watching that or reading about it in the news, we've lost what the context of that moment is. And, and the reason we've lost that is because our culture, our generation, we have become very used to, haven't we, advancement? We advance in technology, we advance in invention, we explore the unexplored, and, and I mean, we're constantly moving forward. We, we've almost lost a sense of the impossible, so we've lost the context of that man, John F. Kennedy, the President of the United States, standing up before the Congress and saying, we're going to do the unthinkable. We are absolutely going to do what is impossible. And he put a price tag on it, and he put a deadline on it, and it happened. It happened. And, and, and mankind cheered. Some of you in here do remember. You remember that moment when Neil Armstrong stepped out of that capsule, took that, what, small step for himself, but that huge leap for mankind. Maybe that is why we're advancing so fast in technology. It started right there in that moment, and we, and we cheered. Even the, even the Russians cheered in that moment because it's in our heart. We can't hold it back. We can't not cheer. We can't not be thrilled. We were created to explore the unexplored. We were created to reach the unreached. We were created to go to those next frontiers. I think the Bible says it this way in Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says that God has put eternity. He's put eternity into our hearts. Now man can't know everything that God's done from beginning to end. You know what that passage is saying? Folks, in this world and in the next, as much as we might give ourselves to understanding all that God has created, all that God has said everywhere that God has been, we'll never do it. Not, not in all of eternity will we ever reach the point where, we've, where we have figured out everything that God has done. But you know what? He's put it in our heart to try. He's put it in our heart to explore and to understand and to research and, and learn just a little bit more about Him and how He's moved and how He's worked in this world. And our heart thrills at that. Our, our heart is fulfilled and satisfied in that. There's something in us that is always going to say, there's more. There's a little bit more. But sin twisted that. Now we're not so much saying there's, there's a little bit more I can know about God. No, no, sin twisted that so that we're saying there's a little bit more I can touch and feel and have. Sin, sin twisted our passion for eternity and turned it into a rut in mortality. Oh, we still long for eternity. We, we still long for that next frontier, but we're stuck. We're stuck living. We're, we're stuck giving the, the best part of our lives to, to what breaks. To, to what fades, even to what dies. We will give the, the better part of our lives and the, the better part of our strength doing that. We're stuck in that. It's kind of a reality of where we are. You know, right now in this room, every, every one of us has in our possession, maybe on our being right now at this very moment, we have something that can tie us to eternity. 
We, we have taught something that can connect us again to what we were created for. But the weird thing is that very same thing will tie us back into mortality. That very same thing will, will keep us stuck here. What is that object? What is that thing that will do that? Well, it's, I've got some on my possession right now. It's money, isn't it? Money. Yeah, we pay bills with it. It, it takes care of our necessities. Gosh, the strange thing about money down here on one end, it's used just for survival, surviving in this world. But, but then over here on the other end, there's people using it at the very same moment for, for pleasure and for enjoyment and, and for good things. We will give the, the better part of our life. We will give most of the strength of this body to acquiring and accumulating this. That, that statement's not meant to be understood positively. It's not meant to be understood negatively. It's just, it's just reality. It, it, it's just what is. Now, there are some. I don't know what kind of percentage you would put on it. There's some who, who do get stuck earning and accumulating that can go too far with it and can end up for this sacrificing their marriage their health even sacrificing their relationship with God that's not unique to you and me that's not unique to the American uh, experience that has been true for all of history it's been true for all of mankind and that's why God speaks to it that's why God warns us of that. Look what he says here in 1 Timothy chapter 6. But those who want to be rich, you know what rich is? It's whatever's right out in front of you. It, it, there's no number that, okay, now I arrived at rich. No, it's just whatever's out there in front of you. Those who want to be rich fall into a temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people, plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have... Look at that. There it is. I mean, I didn't start out doing that. I didn't say, I love money. I want money more than anything in life. But there's that craving, that urge, and I'm chasing it, and pretty soon I've, I've wandered away from the faith and pierced myself with many pains, pains in my relationships, pains in my health, and pains everywhere. So there you have it, folks. Money is evil. Having money is evil. You should be looking weird right now. No, that's not what it said. It didn't say money was evil or that having money was evil. It said the craving of it. The craving of it. It doesn't matter how much you have. Boy, I learned that early in my adult life. I got stuck in that trap. Boy, if I could just get, if I could just get that next pay raise... Boy, if I could just get to this level, then everything would be met. Everything would be taken. Guess what? When you get there, boy, if I could just get to... It's the craving of it that leads to evil, that leads to, to loss. Why? Because it's tying me to mortality. It's tying to me to what ultimately ends. Now, now wait a minute. Let me back up. Wait, just a second ago, I just said it can tie us... To eternity. So which is it? Is, is money tying me to eternity? Or is money tying me to mortality? Well, money's not what makes that decision. I make that decision. I decide that by my, my pursuit of it. My use of it. My attitude about it. Jesus talks about both sides of this pursuit. And what it can do. What it does 
in our lives. Let's look at what he says about this. Would you look with me this morning in Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some in the chairs in front of you. Grab one, or if it's not right in front of you, point to it down the aisle and somebody will grab one and hand it to you. We want everybody to be able to read along. Matthew 6. And I'm looking at verse 19 to 21. Matthew 6, 19 to 21. It says there, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust... Now, moth and rust are natural things, right? That, that's just the natural course of events. That's, that's nature taking its course. Nature will ruin your stuff. Where thieves break in and steal. Now, that's not nature. We live in a world that because of the negligence of others, the abuse of others, the stealing of others, we can end up losing our stuff, can't we? We can lose, we can lose our money. Sometimes we lose our bumper because they're negligent, right? Yeah, that's what this is saying. Sometimes we lose our stuff for natural causes and events. Sometimes we lose it because of people and their different issues and problems. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where nature doesn't ruin it and where people don't ruin it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, Jesus, you know him, right? That's that guy, oh, how he loves us. That, that guy who loves us so much, that, that guy that we love, that guy that we said we have trusted with our very lives, we've trusted with our soul, that one. He speaks to us for a moment about what's in my wallet, what, what's in your purse. And he says, you know, what you've got there is huge. It will connect you to eternity, what you were created for, or it will connect you to mortality and leave you forever empty. Leave you forever unfulfilled. I mean, how else, folks, can we explain? How else can we explain that a child's wildest dreams can come true on Christmas morning? And within 24 hours, maybe 48 at best, they're going to say, I am... Y'all dead on it today. That's it. That's my word. Bored. You know how you knew? Because we're the children, aren't we? It doesn't matter what, we end up unfulfilled. So Jesus says three things. He says, first of all, don't, everything you accumulate on this earth is going to get lost. Everything you accumulate here gets zeroed out. That's not saying that the stuff on earth is bad. That's not saying that it's bad to have stuff on earth. Money's not bad. Having money is not bad. Folks, the Bible talks a lot about our use of money on this earth. It talks about spending it and saving it and, and giving it and retirement and, and priorities. It talks about providing and caring for a family. God knows we're going to use a lot of this on this earth. It's just making a very simple and obvious. I mean, we do know this, right? It gets zeroed out in the end. If you get more than everybody else, zero in the end. If you don't get near as much as everybody else, well, good news, you're all, we're all going to have the same in the end. It just gets zeroed out. Now, if you stop and think about what I said a moment ago, that, that you and I spend the greater portion of our life, if you refer to it as our vocational years, our working years, the greater, the greater bit of our strength is given to acquiring and accumulating, and it all gets zeroed out? That seems kind of depressing. You know, I think that's actually what led Solomon, the richest man ever, the one who had more than anybody ever, to say, you know what, I've found life to be really completely and totally meaningless 
You do all this work and maybe you get a lot, maybe you don't get a lot. You do all this work, maybe you're successful and maybe you're not. Hey, in the end, it all gets zeroed out. Kind of depressing. We can kind of moan about it. So I'm going to have as much fun as I can along the way. It gets zeroed out. That's it. That that point's over. (laughs) Nothing more to say about it. It's just a statement of fact. Now, the second thing that Jesus says, obviously, I think in light of this is, hey, listen, since everything's getting zeroed out, let me, let me encourage you to do something. Put some money away. Store up some treasure in heaven. Probably the greatest stock tip ever, right? Probably the greatest investment plan that, that Jesus is giving ever. Man, what, what good news that we, we get this tip. Now, maybe I shouldn't call it a tip. Because a tip kind of suggests, uh, well, that, a suggestion, You know, if you want this tip, take it. If you don't want this, you don't. Some of us will be eternally wealthy and some of us won't. You know, do with it what you want. But it's not a tip, is it? Jesus didn't say, hey, if you've got some extra left over. Jesus said, hey, if you you want to do this. No, he said, he, he commanded. It's a command, not a suggestion. Store up, command, treasures for yourselves in heaven. You know, I tell you, do you like being told what to do? I know what you just said in your heart. We didn't answer that one out loud. No, no, most of us don't like being, I mean, it's a part of life. We get used to it, but we don't necessarily like commands. We don't necessarily like being told what to do. And when we are, we kind of wonder, what are they trying to get out of me? What, what, what's their motive? Why are they asking that? Why do they want that? We could even say, why does God want my money? I thought he had everything. Why does he need my money? But you know, folks, if you'll think about it, there are sets of commands and directives out there that are not for what the giver, what, what the director gets out of that. What the commander gets out of that. You know, I will tell my kids, eat your vegetables. Go to bed. Do your homework. And do you know, after 21 plus years of saying this, when they do eat their vegetables, when they do go to bed, and when they do their homework, guess what? I don't get anything out of that. I, I don't benefit, I don't profit. Nothing comes to me because they did that. I give those directives for their well-being. That, that's for their life, their health, their success. It is for them that I give that directive. That's how we should understand this right here. It, Jesus isn't saying, hey, listen, my dad's running low on cash. Could you, you know, send something ahead? We got an interest plan. We'll pay you back when you get there. No, that's, that's not what he's saying. Jesus is saying, you know what? I'm, I'm from heaven I'm going back to heaven. I know the future. I know what heaven looks like. I know what we're going to be doing in heaven. Let me tell you something. You want to send some ahead. Store up for yourselves. That's a, did you ever catch that word, yourselves? I'm not implying that the scripture is encouraging us to be selfish. But folks, it doesn't say store up treasures in heaven for my enemy. It doesn't say store up treasures in heaven for my kids. It doesn't say store up treasures in heaven for for my friends. It doesn't even say store up treasures in heaven for God. Jesus, for for yourself. For yourself, store up treasures. Do we trust him? Do we trust that that when he says that, that that's for our good and that's for our well-being? And I would imagine in this room... I would imagine most of us in here today, we would say, yeah, I trust Jesus. I trust that he means well. I trust that, that that's for my good. What we might say, though, is, but, but I can't afford it. Boy, that's a, that's a real statement. Sometimes thinking about the sweet by and by, we get sucked down into the nasty here and now, right? 
But you know what? You've got to battle that statement, I can't afford it. For the moment in here and now that you can't afford it, do you want to eternally regret that you can't afford it there? Forever and ever? Do you want to eternally regret that you didn't figure out how to sink it all into the here and now and start thinking about up there? Now you say, well, how, how, do you, how do you give money to heaven? How do I store that up there? You know, I think a variety of ways. I think the Bible speaks of two primary ways that we store it up in heaven. One is when we give to help those in need. Another is when we give to the church for the advancement of the gospel in the world. That's storing up money in heaven. Now we can think about this in kind of a simple math. You know, if I put a dollar in the plate, I got a dollar in heaven. If I put $5,000 in the plate, I got, I got $5,000 in heaven. It, it might work like that. I don't know. I, I don't think it quite works like that. I think it works out a little bit better than that, actually. You know, you know what makes me think of that? That it's, it's more than just a simple math? Is when, when Jesus was in a worship service just like this one this morning. And, and, they're, and they're worshiping and the music's going and Jesus stands up, stop. It was during the offering. Stop. Boy, wouldn't that make you nervous? Offering plate goes by you and then Jesus says, stop. Ah! <laughs> yeah, but that's what happened. Jesus said, stop. I want everybody to look at that widow. She just gave more than everybody in the room. Oh my gosh, how much did she give? About two pennies. Two pennies? Now, you know what? If you think about storing up treasures for yourself in heaven and all you had is two pennies, you, you, wouldn't it be natural to think, well, man, what's the point? What, what's the point of putting two pennies in? I mean, what's that going to do here? What, what's two pennies going to do? What, what's the point? But that's not apparently how the math works because Jesus said, no, those two pennies were worth more than every person in this room. That made me stop and think, now, how would this math work? I wonder if the wealthiest person in the room did what the widow did and gave everything they had. Let's say for a moment that the wealthiest person in the room could have given $1 million. Then does quite possibly... Now, folks, I'm just imagining. I'm just guessing here. Then quite possibly, if the wealthiest person in the room would have given the million, do you think perhaps the million was attributed to the lady who gave two pennies? Because Jesus said, compared to all of you, she just gave more. So let me just compare. Okay, who could have given the most? That's what's credited to her. Man, that's good news, isn't it? Isn't it good? Well, man, what's the point of doing I mean, I don't have so little. What difference would it make? Jesus, hey, make a huge difference. Make a huge difference. Do we, do we trust him? We get, we get caught up a lot, don't we, on that amount? What's good? What's not good? What's acceptable? What does God respect? You know, in the Bible, what's it say in the Bible? You know, I get caught up in the amount. You know your pastor. He's coming with that tithing sermon once a year, isn't he? You've been around here long. You know he's going to come. He's going to preach on that 10%. 10% of growth. Says it in the old, says it in the new. Comes right out of the mouths of Jesus that we're supposed to give that. Yeah, I get caught up on that. But let's just forget all that for a moment. Let, let's just completely forget if the Bible does say anything at all about how much we're to give. One simple command, 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says, excel in the grace of giving. So my wife and I have never given an, a penny in our entire lives. And so this year we're going to start giving and we give 1% of our gross income. Now if I'm just going to obey that one simple command in 2 Corinthians 8, 7 and excel in the grace of giving, what am I going to do next year? Well, gosh, if I'm going to excel, if I'm going to get better and better at giving more and more, well, then I guess next year I'm, I'm going to give 2% or 3%. And, and, and the year after that, I'm going to give 5 And the year after that, I'm going to give 7 Maybe 11 after that. 
And it just, what? well, now wait, where, where's the stopping point? Surely you don't get crazy and start giving it all up there. What's God going to do? It? Oh, wait a minute. That's right. It's not for God. You know, folks, again, that word yourselves. And the Bible teaches about how giving, you know, it, it, we demonstrate faith. It's a way of worship. It's a way of love. It, it advances the gospel. But what Jesus is saying here has nothing to do with any of that. For yourselves, store it up in heaven. Will we trust him? Say, what do we do with money in heaven? I don't have a clue. Uh, there, I, I see absolutely nothing in Scripture that would suggest, is there a, am I, am I wealthy in heaven, poor in heaven? What, what am I going to do? But that guy who loves me said, Rainy, I'm just saying, it's an awful long time up there, you know, forever and ever. You want to store some up? He didn't tell me what we were going to do with it. Third thing, last thing that Jesus says there. Your heart's tied to wherever that money's going. You know, I used to think that that was a statement about, you know, if I'm a lover of money, if I'm materialistic, if I'm worldly. Watch out, you know, because wherever you're putting your money towards, your heart's going to get tied to it. But Jesus doesn't make that distinction, does he? He is saying that about everybody in the room. It doesn't matter if you're immature in the faith or very mature in the faith. It doesn't matter if you've wholesale sold out your life to money or you could care less about money. Jesus says, for all of us, watch out. Because your heart will get tied to where that money's going. Now, some of that money's got to go here, right? Like I said, Bible's already addressed that. Bible knows some of that money's coming here. There's bills to pay. There's necessities. There's a family to take care of. There's even things to enjoy. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of it's coming here. But if I'm not careful, I will start letting it all come here. And my heart starts getting tied to what? That which breaks, that which fades, and that which dies. Never fulfilled. Never completely satisfied. It's this money that is tying my heart and twisting that statement around so that I'm not saying, man, there's more. There's more of God that ends up having me say there's more. There's got to be more in this life. There's got to be more stuff. Maybe the next paycheck will be fulfilling. Maybe the next objects will be satisfying. Maybe the next trip will... There's more. We start looking for the wrong more. But if we give to eternity, now my heart's tied to what it was created for. And I start looking for more of God. Folks, these next couple of weeks, we're going to start looking at these next frontiers. We're going to look at, at what God and what the church is giving us an opportunity to do. To find out what, what real frontier is. What real satisfaction, real thrill, real fullness. Maybe real wealth, huh? That's okay to have real wealth, isn't it? Somebody can say amen to that. I want real wealth. I'll say amen. Yeah, that's what, we're, that's what Jesus has for us. That's what we're going to explore. Let's pray. Father, would you... Would you help us to trust you? Not, not just in words that we say, but in action. Lord, I would, I would imagine everybody in this room, there are areas and places of our life we trust you. Man, we can celebrate today. We, we can talk about an area, a decision, a relationship. And man, we have waited on you. We have prayed to you. We have sought to obey whatever, whatever kind of commands or principles from Scripture are related to that area. We are absolutely trusting you. 
And Lord, I would imagine also that most of us in this room, we have an area, maybe a couple of areas where, I don't know, we just can't, can't believe that your way would work. We just, we just cannot trust you in that area, cannot obey what your commands and principles in that area are. Lord, we could go around this room, we could share those kinds of things and pray for each other. Lord, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's why you talk about it so much in Scripture, but for so many, what falls in that I can't trust column is, is this whole issue of money. Maybe it's because we just live in an entire environment where somebody's always trying to get something from us and we just kind of attribute you with the same quality. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So this is for me that you say that. Lord, help us, help me to trust you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.